Welcome to This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I'm Rebecca Simmons, an associate professor of the practice of mechanical engineering and materials science at Duke University. Joining me is Grant, Cindy, and Mosin. All three are undergraduate engineering students also at Duke University. In this episode, we talk about Pratt Engineering and the Black Lives Matter movement, specifically asking students about experiences they have had, events they have participated in, and organizations they belong to, focusing on Black undergraduate engineers. It is essential that we create spaces and experiences where students feel supported, safe, welcomed, and have the confidence to work towards their best selves. I want students to feel proud of the different experiences, points of reference they provide, and seek out in others diversity of thought, living, and being. To do this, we need to have candid conversations, build stronger stronger foundations, and push to set positive examples. Black lives matter. This is undeniable and unnegotiable. I need to do better. We can all do better. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. We're back here today with our very own co-host, Sydney Hunt. She's going to tell us a little bit about her Duke experience and how her identity has shaped that. Sydney, will you go ahead and reintroduce yourself for everybody? Yeah, hi, everyone. You know me as one of the co-hosts for this engineering life. Um, another fun fact about me is I'm also certified in mental health first aid, and I'm really excited to speak about my Duke experience, especially given the increased awareness of the Black Lives Matter movement. Thanks so much, Sydney, for agreeing to chat with us today. Will you go ahead and just explain to us how you identify? Of course. So I identify by using she, her pronouns, and I'm also half Black and half Hispanic. Sydney, coming from high school into Duke, I know you're just a sophomore now. Do you feel like Duke is what you expected based on your previous experiences? Or do you feel like your identity has had sort of a different role at Duke as it did before? Yes, I definitely think transitioning from high school to college, my identity became something that I had to think a little bit more about. Um, I think in high school, you know, going into college, like applying for colleges, I was really focused on getting into a top school and like finding scholarships to be able to afford it. And I was just very tunnel visioned on an end goal. I think because of that, I wasn't really as aware of, you know, like being one of very few girls in my um, upper level STEM classes. Like I remember my AP physics class probably had like maybe three or four girls and there was over 25 students in that class. I was really just thinking about getting into college that was something that when I came to do definitely became more prominent. I definitely noticed that within my STEM classes, there would be maybe max 20 or 25% of females. And then even among those 20 to 25%, it was probably maybe five to 10% um, women of color. So I think because of that, it kind of became hard to find people to relate to um, because, you know, not that your identify is, identity is the only thing that Thank you, but I think that um, coming into college and realizing that there weren't as many girls that I could talk to about certain experiences um, definitely just made classes harder. Being, you know, one or, one or two women of color in a class, it definitely felt like the pressure, internal pressure I put on myself of whatever I do, I feel like people are going to stereotype, you know, all women of color to be like that, and I try not to put that much pressure on myself. Do you feel like there have been moments that 
Um, you feel like you've been treated a certain way specifically because of your identity as a female person of color? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I think um, my freshman year, um, there was a lot of times when I would kind of, you know, be put into more of like a non-technical role, like among a team, um, kind of feeling like even though I had just as much experience as um, the other members of my team, I would be more like they, they would tell me to, you know, oh, you can like make the presentation or you have nice handwriting, like why don't you make the poster instead of like coding this or like 3D printing that. And that was kind of frustrating because it was like, I want to like 3D print and I want to code, but, and I did because I said something, but it was kind of like when we were signing roles, I was typically put in a more um, non-technical role. I think that most of the discrimination I've experienced has mainly been because of gender um, in STEM, but there's definitely been other instances of um, racism within um, my just life experience as a whole. I think that people, you know, will tell me a lot of like affirmative action things or the only reason you got into here is because like you're a minority girl in STEM, like how can they say no, you know? And it's like, well, like sometimes that gets to me and I definitely feel imposter syndrome a lot. Um, and I try to really not think about that all the time because it's like I worked hard to get into here. They wouldn't have accepted me um, if I didn't deserve to be at Duke, but it definitely is frustrating when people kind of assume that the only reason you're here is because they wanted that diversity in to like say that, you know, about a stat. Um. So Sydney, um, a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement has seen an increase in awareness and publicity over the last summer. Have you had any involvement with it? Yes, I have. Um, I think the first, like most basic that for me was posting things on social media about what you can do, podcasts you can listen to, books you can read. Um, I know my friend actually started the um, Duke Anti-Racist Book Club, which was really cool. Um, so that became pretty popular amongst in campus about how to educate yourself on the matter. Um, so that's probably the first step I took. The second step, was going to protest over the summer. Um, definitely had to be cautious because of coronavirus, but um, I was happy to see that for the ones I went to, people were remaining socially distant and wearing masks, and um, but still really passionate about this matter on a day-to-day -day basis. And I wanna make sure that people recognize and are educated on the matter about how they can improve um, themselves, improve others to make that difference and actually take action rather than just saying do X, Y, or Z. Thank you so much, Sydney, for sharing your thoughts about your own experiences at Duke, as well as the Black Lives Matter movement in general. Um, we really appreciate you talking to us. All right, thank you guys so much for being here today. It's a pleasure to have you. Can we start by just having you both introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Alexa Tannenbaum. I am a senior studying mechanical engineering and I'm the chief marketing officer of ESG. And I am Matt. I am also a senior studying mechanical engineering uh, and I am the director of industry relations of Duke ESG. Can you both talk to us just a little bit about your involvement with ESG's, I guess, their diversity initiative and how all that's shaping out for the semester? Yeah, definitely. So over the summer, Right after the death of George Floyd, especially when all a lot of Duke groups were like coming out with statements about 
supporting Black Lives Matter. I think the two of us um, thought it was really important that ESG come out and do something, but not just come out with like a general statement, but actually have some like meaningful programming or some sort of event fundraiser. So along with like the rest of ESG, and then we ended up partnering with Nisby, Ship, and Sweet. We thought that having this Engineering While Black week-long initiative would be really impactful um, and way more important than just like raising money for some distant organization or just like putting out a statement. So we decided to have an event. That's really awesome. And that event just concluded on Friday, right? Yeah. How would you say that it went? Um, I think overall it was pretty successful. Um, the four organizations, the four Duke organizations were able to support three local Durham organizations, including Spirit House, um, the Durham Colored Library Tech Bees for Tomorrow initiative, and then Durham for All. Um, so that was really exciting to be able to support them. And then we also had like a ton of programming throughout the week that had pretty good attendance. So overall, I would say a success. How did you both fall into this role? So our roles were not um, geared towards organizing this, but I think we both felt given these turbulent times and what's going on, we should, number one, have some ability to make an impact as a Duke organization with a lot of resources and a platform to do so. Um, but more importantly, to be able to provide an avenue for students who feel like they want to make a difference and be able to whether that be give money or hold some, uh, some kinds of discussions um, on a lot of these difficult topics and address some of the issues that do exist on Duke's campus as well. And it's not just like an exterior, oh, look at all these problems in the world, um, but you know, on, on Duke's campus and within the administration and, and Pratt specifically, um, these are issues that do persist. Have you guys had personal experience or known people with personal experience? of these issues on campus or have you had any involvement with I guess the Black Lives Matter movement over the summer or anything like that? I mean like personally obviously I am a white male so I do not experience these um, issues whatsoever but I think it's so important in being someone of privilege to acknowledge that and try to try to make a difference in any way that you can so for me specific specifically over the summer um, you know, attended protests and I did volunteer for um, one of the campaigns, one of my local campaigns to elect a, a pretty progressive candidate, which was very new for our, our district. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I'm a white female, so I can't even begin to understand the hardships that like women of color face in STEM and engineering. But I think my experiences just as a woman in general haven't always been the easiest. You know, Duke is like a very welcoming and inviting space, like my time at Pratt within Pratt has been great. I haven't really experienced that many times when I felt like an outsider, but working this summer in like a mechanical engineering internship at a company, like it was definitely noticeable. Like me and my mentor were the only two women on my entire team and we're both white women. So that was very eye-opening. So I think for me, just realizing like the discrimination that I face doesn't even come close to the discrimination that so many other people are facing. And it's so important that like we do everything we can to try to change that. Yeah, and it's so evident right when you get into industry or into the field, like even I going into interviews are like, wow, this is a group of eight white men interviewing me. And if I'm realizing that, like I can't even imagine the, the difficulties that a lot of people go through in, you know, once they get out of Duke or, or college in general. You worked with Nesby Ship and Sui, you said, was organizing that difficult? Um, so putting together this event, like we've been planning this since June. So it's definitely been a long time coming and like meeting every single week. So it was a big, a big commitment. 
Um, and the reason like initially we were like, oh, ESG should do something. But then we were like, no, like all of Pratt should come together and like we should make this like really special. So, but like while this did take a lot of planning, like you can have like events and panels and talks like so easily in the virtual setting. Like people are so willing to come and like hop on a Zoom for 30 minutes or an hour. So like, yes, while this was like very time intensive and difficult, like it doesn't need to be a week long initiative. Like people can be planning events for like 30 minutes on a Tuesday night. And like that takes little to no effort. Great. Thank you. While we're here, do you guys have anything additional that you're passionate about on this topic or just want to put out there? Anything you want to say? Um, yeah, so just, you know, Matt and I weren't in, like, we're not the president and vice president of ESG. You know, we were just two people on the board who, like, felt pretty passionate about this and, like, wanted to make this happen. So just, like, you don't need to be, like, in charge of anything to be able to, like, put stuff like this on. And anybody is able to like, if you feel passionate about something or think a conversation is important, like fully go ahead and try to do it because the worst thing that people say is no, but like they probably won't. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, I mean, that was well said. And I think finding whatever your path is to make a difference is important and you don't have to be running some big organization to do so. Um, the other thing I would say is that for a lot of these issues, people frame it as a, like a political narrative. And I, and I hate that. I think a lot of these things are just completely unbiased and, and trying to resolve inequities in education and in industry. Um, so I think being able to have these conversations, regardless of what your, you know, sociopolitical background is or what family you come from um, or, or where you're from in the world to be able to, you know, come to a campus um, or wherever you are, and to have these conversations with friends, regardless of background, is such an important thing to do. So don't um, don't feel pressured to back away from these conversations if you aren't um, as informed or if you aren't, um, you know, as politically leaning one way or another. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. It's been awesome to talk to you. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. This is great. Hey guys, um, could you guys just introduce yourself real quick? Um, say your name and what year you're in and your major. Hey, I'm Jackson Kennedy. I'm a junior studying mechanical engineering. Um, hi, I'm Bennett. I'm also a junior, Bennett David, sorry, also a junior studying mechanical engineering. So um, we're talking to you both today because you both attended the, the Black Lives Matter demonstration at Kayville. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what happened there and your experience with it? It was set up to be socially distanced. It was in Kayville. Um, there were little markers spray painted on the ground um, for individuals or quarantine bubbles to stand upon. And it was set up so people could bring signs, but it was more of a spectator event than a more traditional protest, I'd say. Um, there were several speakers um, from within Duke, Duke Athletics. I think Coach K started it off. And then there were a lot of student voices, student athlete voices um, that kind of gave their personal perspective. The protest came together fairly quickly and it was organized by Nolan Smith, a coach on the men's basketball team. And the point really clearly was to allow student athletes to have their voices heard. And it really seemed to serve as a great platform for them to share personal stories. Uh, open question to either of you guys. 
Have you participated in any Black Lives Matter protests prior to this event? And whether you have or have not, what was your motivations for coming to this? And do you feel like you got what you wanted out of it? So when Ahmaud Aubrey was murdered, I participated in uh, running with Ahmad and other forms of protest there, but I was unable to attend one in person because I was living with my parents and they, we had a talk and they were really concerned about the risk of COVID to them. So I agreed to not go in person. And I was, I was at peace with that, but when I had the opportunity to attend this one, uh, I thought it was an excellent chance because I knew that it would be safe and it was a great place to go and support my friends. I have a pretty similar thing. Um, when, when this recent Black Lives Matter momentum wave um, started to happen, I was living at home in Asheville, North Carolina with my parents and my mom's immunocompromised. Um, so we had to be very, very careful. So I had some friends that went in Asheville and it got pretty heavy in Asheville. Tear gas came out, the, the highway got stopped, but I was, I did not attend those and it's, it's similar. And now I'm here, I'm away from my parents and it was uh, guaranteed from what I heard to be a, a pretty socially distant event as well. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a good time to go. Did I get what I wanted out of it? I don't know. I, I feel, I, I was just, I was there as a body to show support. And the more people that are there as safe as possible, I think the better show support it is. And it was great to, to hear the voices that did speak. Um, yeah, I, I was there to show support. Um, would, would you guys consider yourself allies of the movement? And if so, what does that really mean to you? I believe in affirming that Black Lives Matter strongly and unequivocally, because when you start to add qualifications like all lives matter, you really start to detract from the message. And whether you believe in some of the specific policies of the Black Lives Matter group, which people have criticized, I support those policies of the group. And I think that they aim to fix the underlying injustices that are causing this rather than just treating the symptoms of racism in this country, which are super important. Uh, I was there also for my friends because I care about my friends. And I think that going to that protest, I didn't, I do feel like it's important to at least go and support and not just be passive and stay at home. Even if it's not perfect, doing something is better than staying at home because this is a serious problem in America. Um, yeah, similar for me. I'm an ally. I think it's important to, to show out when you can. To me, an ally is, is very much about listening whenever possible um, because many of the groups I'm a part of personally and many of the things I've grown up with are are not the traditionally oppressed groups in this country and I've had a very privileged life in many ways with Black Lives Matter and all the intersectionality that comes with it. Not that Black Lives Matter is a monolith. There's, there's a lot of different pieces within that movement but it's to me it's it's all about listening and being there as a supporter rather than some sort of leading voice or something like that. I think that's great. Um, I echo what both of you said. I think listening is definitely key. And that's something we've learned even while making this episode. Thank you so much to both of you for sharing your experiences about the, the Black Lives Matter movement with us. We hope to follow your example and continue to be allies to this movement.
Hi, thank you both for being here. If you could introduce yourself and say your name, your major, your year, that would be great. I'm Jamie Williams. Um, I'm class of 2021, so a senior and I'm studying civil engineering with the focus in structures. Hi, my name is Shami Chidea. I'm a junior majoring in mechanical engineering with an INE certificate. Could you, could you guys tell us a little bit about your involvement with NSBE as an organization? Okay, um, I'm the current vice president and um, I was the programs chair last year and the year before that I was the parliamentarian. Yeah, so, my involvement with Nesby actually started through Jamie because she was my host for this um, program called BSAI, which is basically like a weekend long event where they invite students who had gotten into Duke, um, high school students, high school seniors, and then you get to stay on Duke's campus for a couple of years with um, first year students. So Jamie was actually my host and she's the first one who talked about um, Nesby. And then when I, first got onto campus, I was able to meet the Academic Excellence Chair in Nesby, and that's basically the person who's dedicated towards like making sure the students are prepared for classes and things. And so I applied to be a senator, a first year senator. That's like the role that Nesby has for first year students if they want to get involved. So my first year I was a senator. Last year I was um, PCI chair, which is basically coordinating like events within the Durham community, um, basically like STEM outreach, and then now I'm finance chair. How many people are in NSB? Um, I would say generally it's about like active. It's on average from like 10 to 15 per class. Yeah, and I feel like we can't go through this interview without like saying the NSB mission statement. So the, NES the NSB mission statement is to increase the number of culturally responsible Black engineers who excel academically, succeed professionally, and positively impact the community. And I literally have never even like seen the statement. It's just that with all of our GBMs, we always say that statement. So now it's just ingrained in my head. <laughs> But, but I love it. And you say it with a smile. Like, I, I, obviously, a podcast, you can't see it. But, but it is something that you're saying with a smile. And I, I love the message. And, and to, you must love the message, too. I mean, watching you say it, yes? Yeah, I think so. Like, it's, it's a really good mission, I think. Um, I did want to find, like, I want, when I came to Duke, I wanted to find, like, a, an environment that focused on you know, like STEM outreach, that's something that's always been a passion of mine. And then so when I heard about Nesby and PCI specifically, and the fact that they also, you know, like help Black engineers, and there are like so few of us, it's nice to have a space where like we can all see each other and support each other. That's great. I'm so glad that there's such a strong community within the organization. Um, would you say that with the increased awareness of the Black Lives Matter movement recently, that anything has changed either within Nesby? Um, or have you or either NISBE been involved with the Black Lives Matter movement? I would say as per NSBE, like I feel like the foundation of NSBE is really big on like preparing Black students and potential Black engineers for like careers and fields that are predominantly white or predominantly white males especially. And so like I don't think the Black Lives Matter movement really change the dynamic of Nesby because that's always been the case. That's always been the mission. But I would say as for Duke Nesby, we have done, community has always been a big part of our organization. So I think it has even, it's like increased our need and our desire for community, especially since everything's virtual now. And then also just 
I know that Nesby has been making an extra effort to like extend resources and like have discussions and share knowledge with uh, like our white counterparts. I know we just did a panel with ESG, SWE and SHIP that was about diversity in STEM and like tech. So I think our collaborations with other organizations increased because of the Black Lives Matter movement and because other organizations want to learn more about like basically what Nesby is already doing. Yeah, I think it's a really good point that you brought up is that Nesby has always been doing this. Um, but I think recently we've seen Duke put a greater focus on this, um, probably just within this past year. Um, how, have you, how have you felt about Duke's efforts to respond to the, the recent proliferation of the Black Lives Movement um, with events such, in, such as the Living Well Black Symposium and Engineering Well Black? Um, how, how have you felt that Duke has, has handled that? That's a good question. I think I can give my perspective based, based off of what I know. So when I first heard about the Living Well Black Symposium, it was right in the thick of things. So I'm not sure for how long they've been planning this event, but it was obviously like more than necessary, like given the circumstances that I feel like all Black students and faculty and staff feel all the time. But I think the fact that the world stopped basically, and there was nothing else to do, but like turn on your phones, your TVs, everything, and that's basically all you see. Um, you know, like, I think Duke had no other option but to listen and give space for voices. Um, it, like, there was no excuse anymore, right? Like, we had so much time. But I remember um, over the summer, there was a call. Um, Pratt administration reached out to, like, a number of students in different um, organizations just to talk about basically something concerning this too. And the thing that I said to them at that time as well was, this is good that now there are space, there's more space um, held for these conversations, but it's like the space was made be in a reactive sense, you know, like something happened. And because of that, we need to do something when, you know, in reality, like, I feel like Latinx students and black students and underrepresented students have been talking about, you know, wanting to have these conversations for years, at least like with the, um, the upperclassmen that I know, they've been wanting to have these conversations with Pat for a long time. So instead of, you know, having reactive events and sessions and symposiums, it should be much more proactive, like understanding that people's voices need to be heard before things, because if something like this happens again, you know, at least you'll be more prepared to, you'll be, you'll be more informed of what people's what, what people's needs are. Um, I second everything Shami was saying. I don't really have much to add. I would definitely say at one point I was really like proud of Duke and just their response with everything like, oh, they're starting more committees. Oh, they're taking like action towards like disciplinary things and everything. But um, I would say it's still kind of very disappointing that they took those actions and those steps because it seems like it's not too late for change, but it's always like, like Shami was saying, it, it happened as a reaction versus like not having that, versus not doing it before when people were speaking up years and years ago. So it seems almost ingenuine now that they're speaking up because of course, like, it's like trendy to say, oh, we support Black Lives Matter. We support, you know, all Black lives, yada, yada, yada. But to, um, I feel like they've these lives have always mattered, but Black people have been saying this for, you know, years on years and so, and a lot of stuff on Duke's campus have, has occurred to where that wasn't the case. Like, 
there's so many, there's been a lot of like discriminatory things that have happened on that campus, not just towards black students, but just like Latinx, Jews and Muslims. And I feel like Duke did not handle it well at all in the moment when they could have. And so now that they're doing it, it seems almost like just to shut us up for now. On that, do you think that, that these, these um, the programs and the steps that they're taking will build a foundation to, to get to a next level? Or do you, are you worried that we're getting some of this programming which is needed and then we're gonna end up at the same spot? Like Shami said, until then, until something else happens, and then we'll take another break and and evaluate. I would say I would I I've chosen to be optimistic. Like I want to hope that what everyone is doing, the different committees, the different programming, is for like a, just a start to for like a better future. But then again, like they Duke has started things before, and then when it's not trendy anymore, or when it's not like it's not as bad as it was before, they just kind of gave up on it. So hopefully they can be continuous with this and just making Duke a more safer and like inclusive environment and not just saying that, but actually doing things, making poli policies, um, maybe implementing consequences and like actually doing the work to like instill this into the culture of Duke. I definitely agree with Jamie. It is a choice to be optimistic because honestly, like the other option is pessimism and that's exhausting. So is optimism, but like choosing optimism, I guess, is like the better path. Um, no, I definitely agree with Jamie. I think college is very interesting because students are here for, let's just say, an average of four years. So, you know, like you can have a wave of students who are very passionate about something. And then like, let's say that wave of student leaves, like administration has the ability to basically ride out the wave, right? Um, and I think the students will, I feel like students will always continue to be passionate about this and that matters, but what's more, what's more important for longevity is like, you know, administration backing this and being consistent um, and listening even when like the spearheads eventually leave and they graduate, like that kind of, that kind of consistency I think is needed. And I think, um, I think, or I hope that, you know, like, them initiating conversations continues um, even after this. But honestly, like it genuinely is kind of up to administration. Students are here to be students. Um, I think people forget that a lot. Like I remember over the summer, just always having to be on these calls, which I, I was more than happy to do, but just thinking, wow, like there are some students who will never have to do something like this. You know, like they won't have to be a part of basically like a straw poll, a focus group, and their energy doesn't have to be directed towards that. So definitely people in administration where, you know, it's not necessarily their only job, but it's a part of their job. It should be everybody's job basically to um, like play their part in being consistent. Yeah. I 100% agree with that, Chami. Yeah, me as well. Um, I think it's really important to take action and not just say you're going to do something because it's very easy for anyone to say they'll do X, Y, or Z, but showing that there's actually going to be a difference and a change, especially regarding something that has always been around, you know, it's not something new. Um, so I totally agree with all you said. Yeah, I think, I think personally, I share some of your optimism. I hope that this turning point, I think we've seen a new level of passion come along with the movement. Um, and so I hope that really resonates both among the students and the administrative um, team at Duke. What does, what would you say the, the thinking about Nesby again, what would be like the, the highlight? 
So you've both been involved for four, well, four years, four-ish years, three years in Nesby. What has been one of the highlights? I think the thing I enjoyed most is the community and like all the things we do with that community, but mainly just like people who you see on campus. There already aren't many people in Pratt and there aren't many people who understand that Pratt life. I learned that first year when I had like all Trinity friends and they just did not understand why like I, did, I would just disappear for a week because I had like three midterms or something. Um, but then even more so like having like black students who understand like the experience of black students in STEM and being able to like see upperclassmen who you know are doing exactly what you want to do and are like killing the game. And then now technically I'm an upperclassman and then now I'm able to reach out to first year students and say like, hey, like apply to this thing. And you know, like just passing it, passing the torch, you know, I think I just like that cycle. Yeah, I can definitely second what Shaman was saying. I know as a freshman, my favorite part of Nesby was like the conferences, of course, but also just having like basically like older siblings on campus with the upperclassmen always having someone to ask questions have advice will give advice and it was just always like an open open and loving community and like now being an upperclassman well like a senior you know and like you're bringing in new freshmen I think the best part now is just to seeing like the growth of everyone after you because like giving a shout out to Shami I remember when she was a freshman and when she was a Frosh. And like just seeing the transition of just like her becoming more, I guess, confident and like sure of her engineering and like her curriculum and just of herself, I think Nesby allows an avenue for everyone to have that. That's really great to hear. Um, it sounds like Nesby has had an amazing impact on both of you during your time at Duke. Thanks so much for being willing to share your perspectives. This Engineering Life is brought to you by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audionautics, and Kevin McLeod. Be sure to check back in two weeks when we chat with the Duke community about health and wellness. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Mosin. I'm Sydney. And I'm Grant. And this has been This Engineering Life. See you again soon.